friends reading Twilight books. Right now it is new moon, a decade late and just for fun. This is Bella Swan Song. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bella Swan Song. I'm Lauren, and on this episode, me and my co-host Sarah explore Jacob Black's mechanical skills. I suggest, rather aggressively, that one Stephanie Meyer go to the library. Sarah decides Bella is the world's most unreliable narrator, and we both puzzle over the social intricacies of Bella's world. All that and more coming up on Bella Swan Song. In these three chapters, Bella goes to the hospital a lot and Jacob tries to confess his feelings for her. Meanwhile, Jacob's friends, apparently in a gang, are beginning to act... different. Bella suspects something is up, but between hospital visits, hearing Edward Cullen's voice, and cleaning her dad's house, she hardly has time for sleuthing. She can somehow manage planning bad movie dates, though. Okay, really quickly, before we get into anything that has to do with uh, the actualities of the plot of New Moon, I just want to say, we've been doing some research, um, or recherche, as I like to call it, and I think that we've been pronouncing the Black's tribe name wrong, um, which I had, I don't know why, had in my head was Quillette, but I think it's Quileute, so my deepest apologies for all the times we've been pronouncing it wrong, and... I've been doing some research on the YouTubes uh, to listen to people saying it, and and I think that that's as close as I'm going to get. So we're going to go with that for now. If you have any better information on that, shoot me an email. Okay, I'd really love to hear it. Shoot me an email, our one listener, please. And now back to your regularly scheduled (laughs) New Moon programming, which starts out in these chapters with a very exciting development. The motorbikes have been fixed up. And apparently Jacob Black is a genius mechanic and bikes that were considered inoperable by literally everyone he fixed in like three days. (laughs) Yeah. And according to Bella, obviously, as we know, not the best source for mechanical information, but according to Bella, they look like brand new. Maybe he just went out and bought two new bikes. It was like, these are impossible to fix, but I need to keep this going so that Bella will be friends with me still. So I need to get her a bike. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Can you imagine him being like to literally everyone like don't tell anybody that you sold me this bike? Listen, Quill. <laughs> I gotta look cool for Bella Swan, okay? You know Quill would be a homie. Quill would be like, yeah, I got I got your back. I mean his friend his that's like his friends have been super ho- he's basically left his friends completely alone to hang with Bella and they're just like Yeah, dude, it's chill. That's cool. Well, that's because nobody in this book understands the magic of friendship, but I think we'll get into that in a bit. First, I want to talk about not the magic of friendship, but the magic of Bella being so bad at riding a motorcycle that it makes her hallucinate Edward Cullen's voice. Do you have any comment on this? Well, apparently all he does is yell at her, which is a little bit of an issue, I think. Or Stephanie Meyer is just not creative enough to give him any more dialogue. And so all he can do is yell and then sometimes snarl and growl, which is obviously what every good boyfriend does in your ear when you're riding a motorcycle. I mean, in a way it makes sense because it only comes out when Bella is doing something that's like really dangerous. And so him yelling like, don't do that does make sense. But in another larger way, it's like, 
yeah, of course, Edward Cullen is just going to continue to tell Bella what to do basically from beyond the grave. Listen, he's just really protective and he wants Bella to take the best care of herself um, because he's a gentleman. I mean, it, yeah, it is hard to dispute that it's good advice that Bella Swan shouldn't get on a motorcycle she doesn't know how to ride and launch herself into a tree, which she does in these chapters. Also, there must be a better way to teach motorcycle riding as a, like rather than just send someone shooting off into the forest. Yeah, but Jacob has the sensibilities of like, what is he like a 15 year old boy? 15 year olds don't have any impulse control. <laughs> That's true. Like, that's it. I don't, you know, that's not his fault. Plus, he obviously is a natural with machines. He's probably like, oh, anyone can figure this out. This is really easy because to him, it's like a piece of cake. And then Bella Swan's like, I'm going to do everything wrong. I also like how when they go off to ride motorcycles, she's super excited about doing something reckless. And then as soon as they get in the truck, she immediately puts on her (laughs) seatbelt. Well, you know what I mean? It's all about calculated risks. So what do you think Bella's medical bills look like at this point? She goes to the hospital how many times in these chapters? At least two or three. And also she like basically gets a concussion and everybody's just like, no, this is fine. Like if, I don't know. I just feel like if my daughter got hit on the head and then got a concussion, I would be like, maybe she isn't just tripping over things in a garage. Maybe I should figure out what's going on. Also, like, you can't just keep that a secret. Like, is everybody at the hospital just like, don't worry, Bella, it's chill. We won't tell your dad that you came in here all bloody, clearly from motorcycle accidents. Like, she got stitches. That's not free, unfortunately, in our dystopian American hellscape of an insurance and healthcare system. Maybe the the Forks Police um, Service has just the world's greatest health insurance. You know what? I, we have to go with that because there's no other explanation. Either that or the hospital was in real deep with some crime. Mm. Charlie helped him out Mm. and now they cut him a deal Mm, I like this I was gonna go third option frequent flyer discounts the more you come in the less you spent also her doctor is named Dr. Snow I mean what what am I supposed to say to that obviously Stephanie Meyer has a problem with last names Swan Snow Black like I mean what's next Candelabra like just there's gotta be like doesn't she have like babynames.org or something <laughs> babylastnames.org <laughs> just look on the census you know what i'm saying ancestry.com that didn't exist back then go to the library i think that it's just funny that The hallucinations are such a big deal to Bella. Like she's so intensely every single part of her physical and emotional being responds to them. And she obviously has adopted these adrenaline seeker behaviors just to hear this perfect replica of Edward's voice, which I can't remember if that ever resolves as like actually Edward somehow was communicating with her from afar or if her brain just like had a seismic shift and then like only 
gave her this voice in these like high risk situations or whatever. But it's like while they're happening, they're such a big deal. And then after they happen, it's like, and then I was with Jacob, who's the greatest. Mm, what a dude. Like, it's just like, it's such a hot and cold, hot and cold. It doesn't, it almost feels like it doesn't, it's not given the weight that it should be given, especially because a few chapters ago, Bella was like, I'm crazy. And once again, that's like Bella Swan's pejorative language. I'm not saying that. Like also just Bella seems to be incapable of feeling like just kind of your average run-of-the-mill feelings it's like every single feeling produces the world's most visceral reaction it's like her whole body seizes up upon feeling a feeling i feel like a little bit of that is being a teenager i'm willing to give stephanie meyer that much you know i think also bella in some ways to her discredit is completely incapable of sorting out what any emotion is if that emotion is an abject misery because in these chapters we get a lot of sort of um hem delightful banter between bella and jacob and um it's like and they have this whole conversation where Bella's like trying to figure out where Jacob's kind of like, well, I like like you. Right. And Bella's like, I don't know. I'm like so broken or whatever. But like, I like you, but like, I don't like you. But like, I really like you. And you're the only one that makes me feel anything other than abject misery. But like, I don't like 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 you. But like, I'm not really sure what's going on. It's like she can't figure out what's going on in her own head at all she's a rundown house and jacob has fixed up her front room but the rest of the house is still crumbling to dust which is me paraphrasing but not by (laughs) not off by a lot yeah and i just i don't know the mixed signals just sort of drove me crazy here and like i don't know i just uh Yeah, I mean, look, we know Bella is the world's most unreliable narrator in the world and has no good read on her own feelings or anything that's going on outside of her body. Except for supernatural happenings. She jumped on that vampires thing real quick. Yeah, well, she is the world's greatest sleuth. But aside from that. True, (laughs) true. And it also also seems like in a very, um, in a very uncomfortable way, it seems like every single boy that Bella Swan knows has like a huge crush on her. And like all she, like all she does in her spare time is like navigate all of these crushes that all of these boys have on her. And this chapter, once again, a Mike Newton comes back. Is anyone out there team Mike? I found Mike to be like pretty respectful. And even though he and Jacob had that weird standoff where Jacob like crushed his hand or whatever, um, you know, I feel like Mike is like a pretty chill dude. But it's like every, it just seems like, first of all, every person in Bella's friend group is in a couple, except I guess maybe for Mike, all of the boys like her. Well, except for Mike and Jessica. Oh, right. Because she keeps trying to set up Mike and Jessica because she doesn't want Mike to have a crush on her. But that's not how feelings work, Bella. Right. And also another, just to quickly also echo team Mike. He's the, was the only one who like kind of stuck by Bella through all of her dark, dark depression. True. Like he's been super chill this whole time, was willing to just be like, look, I get you're going through a hard time. I'm just here. True. Like whatever you need. I'm not going to be too pushy. You know, I'm not going to try and force myself into your life when clearly you're not processing anything. But like when you need me, I'm here. Which like respect Mike Newton respect 
And it seems like, I don't know, well, I don't know, maybe An- Angela does, but it seems like none of the girls from the last book like Bella at all. I mean, Lauren never did, but the rest of them. There's also a couple, uh, Eric and Katie, I don't know where they came from, but they suddenly popped up in these chapters. Oh, I remember Eric. Eric had a crush on Bella in Twilight. I think basically everybody had crushes on Bella until they got paired off with someone else. Because Tyler got paired off with Lauren, I think. And Ben and Angela. But also apparently... Is that what high school is like? I it, Definitely not my high school. Like there were some yeah, couples, mine, but not this aggressive. And I feel like not to the point where it's like, oh, my significant other is feeling ill so I guess I also can't go out to the movies yeah that was that happened in this chapter they were all a big group was supposed to go to the movies and it ended up being just Bella and Mike and Jacob and the reason why one of them begged off was like oh well my was it like my boyfriend has the stomach flu so I'm not gonna go (laughs) okay I guess (laughs) Bella's the worst party planner in the world she just has no read on (laughs) literally anyone it's like oh these people are all around so they'll probably want to go see a bad movie with me even though I haven't spoken to them in months it's difficult because on the one hand she does have an acute sense of the social conflicts that are going on like for example that Jessica likes Mike but Mike likes her and not Jessica or you know like all of those sorts of things or she did get the sense there's um We'll get to this in a second, I think, but there are some things happening um, in La Push with some friend groups, and she was like very quick to pick up on that. So it's not as though she can't read social situations. Like she actually is pretty adept at it, but then for some reason, she just expects that like everybody is going to welcome her invitations and like everybody is going to be totally fine with her like doing whatever she wants like and we saw that earlier in the book when she invited Jessica out for that girls night or whatever she was like yeah 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 I haven't talked to Jessica in like 75 years but we're gonna have a girls night actually I'm gonna blatantly use Jessica under the premise of a girls night and then I'm gonna wonder why she's upset about it like I just I don't get I just don't get how she can be sort of so perceptive in one area and so not perceptive in another yeah well I feel like and maybe this is because every single boy she encounters has an immediate crush on her that she just lives in this world where it's like everybody loves me even though I desperately hate their attention and just want to be on my own yeah that's true I mean I think that there's any you know it's also again it's like her narrative perspective of like her whole worldview is like way skewed by all manner of things I mean, as we've talked about, she bounces all over the place feelings-wise. She doesn't really get relationships. Well, she doesn't get friendship. I think we can just sort of say that. She has sort of boxed her world into two categories, which is either people are my family, and I have to be blood-related to them for family to be a word that works in this context, or we're in a romance. And those are her only two. And I think that it's that way across the the book right especially with men and women like that's the point of like all of these all of her friends are in sort of high school couples it's like can 
a man and a woman, or I guess in this case, a girl and a boy, not just be friends. It's like, yes, they can, but not to Stephanie Meyer. And I also think part of Bella's sort of yo-yoing on her social perception is Stephanie Meyer's bad plotting where like friends only appear as a sort of convenient plot device. They're not actually characters in the story that serve any sort of viable support for Bella or have any interior life. They're just cardboard cutouts that Bella sort of, you know, picks up on as a a plot need arises. So I would put the confusion down almost entirely to Stephanie Meyer and I'm going to give Bella the character like uh, you know I don't I don't know I, I guess a pass because I feel like the reason why she swings back and forth is simply plot related yeah no I think that's true I mean the only people using quotes that she's had like friendships with are people that I feel like in her mind would move into the family side of things because it's well, like she's Alice, not a person, right? First who... of all, she's a vampire, so well, that's why that's why <laughs> I use quotes. But um, like, I feel like in Bella's mind, and also in sort of Stephanie Meyer's mind, like Bella and Edward are like a sure thing, definitely getting married, living out their immortal lives together. So Alice is like a de facto right. sister-in-law. So, like, there's no friendship there. Right. It's just... And that's also why everybody is family. so upset. The Cullens are so obsessed with the vampires pairing off. It's not just the high schoolers. Basically, it seems like 80 to 90% of the Cullen family drama is, like, Edward doesn't have a vampire lady love. Like, it's that's ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, I'm a little shocked that there isn't some sort of lady that's getting pushed on Charlie Swan. Yeah. Just to like True. pair that off. But obviously you'd have to spend more time and give Charlie more to do than just go fish. to work or fish or watch sports on television. He did watch hockey once though. So that was different than <laughs> wow. baseball. What a, what a cultural mix up. I just want to quickly say, I know that we're sort of giving Bella a pass on this because it's mostly Stephanie Meyer. But Stephanie Meyer uses the phrasing, I wish that Jacob Black had been my born my brother, my flesh and blood blood brother so that i would have some legitimate claim on him that still left me free of any blame now there are just so many problems with that and i just wanted to throw that into the ether for all of you i mean i read that and it made my skin crawl but again i think it's this thing where it's like it it just is the whole book has no understanding of friendship and no understanding of the importance of friends and it places weight only like you said on romantic and blood related familial ties and that's just simply not how the world works that's just not how anything works and in a way it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's frustrating to have that dichotomy because it does stall the character development and it stalls the plot and it makes things feel so high pitched and un like unstable in a way that I think is not needed. Yeah. And it short short changes yeah. so many relationships too. Like Bella and Jacob could have a beautiful friendship if it were allowed be allowed to grow in such a way. But like Bella 
doesn't think that she can just be friends with anyone. And it's such a shame because that could be a beautiful thing. And instead, we're going to end up with a little messy love angle. A love angle that I don't even want to think about the conclusion of because it's simply too disturbing for words. Those of you who have not gotten through all the Twilight books... All I can say is hold on to your butts because the Edward Jacob Bella love angle really takes a turn, okay? And I'm just going to say it right now. Not one that you could ever predict and not in a good way. Another thing that I think that you wouldn't have predicted reading these few chapters is um, sort of what starts to happen with Jacob. By the end of these chapters, Jacob has mysteriously fallen ill and is not returning Bella's calls, which I don't think anyone would have seen coming. And also there's this undercurrent of tension in La Push because there's what Jacob terms a quote unquote gang happening where Um, Sam, who you will remember saved Bella from the woods after Edward left her alone in the middle of the woods, (laughs) Uh, it has started sort of... I feel like she was like 20 yards from her house. She was. I mean, Bella made that way worse on herself. Listen, I believe that Edward uh, perched himself in a tree not far away and watched until somebody rescued Bella. No, he didn't. He went around ripping up photographs and clearing out his family estate. It would take him like two seconds. <laughs> Come on. Um. Anyway, this Sam character has started sort of collecting Jacob's uh, former friends. And Jacob's pretty upset about it. Yeah, they seem to be uh, the world's nicest gang. It seems like all they do is sort of hang out and do some kind of adrenaline junkie style things and then also good things for their community. But Jacob is like so pissed about this because they won't talk to him anymore. I will say it does seem a little suspicious. Obviously we're getting it very filtered because it's Jacob's feelings filtered through Bella's who knows what. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is suspicious and... Actually, I thought uh, I thought that Stephanie Meyer's pacing and her plot, like, sort of hints and things are getting a little better. Like, I liked that this is, like, a little bit of intrigue. Like, you get kind of, oh, Jacob's falling ill, and there's this, you know, um, well, quote-unquote, falling ill, and there's this sort of LaPush gang or whatever that he's upset about. It's, like, it's setting... I think in these few chapters she's setting up a lot of elements of tension pretty well like even Edward's like voice like even though we have a problem with that like that's sort of an element of tension and I've said tension so many times this episode but I'm gonna keep saying it and you know I think that she's laying the groundwork more nicely here than in Twilight where it was like nothing happened for so long and then all of a sudden it was like the end (laughs) so I will commend her for that I think her foreshadowing is getting a little better here yes I would agree I think it's a much more intriguing read it's definitely sort of slower like I feel like at this point in Twilight things were like raring along full speed ahead I don't think at this point in Twilight anything was happening nothing happened in Twilight until like page 400 spear you need to reread the book again (laughs) clearly (laughs) 
I will say when you started this episode and we're like, and now back to New Moon, I was like, no, we're reading Twilight because I forgot what this book was called. I know. I keep just calling it Twilight because to me, all of them are called Twilight. It should be like Twilight yeah. colon New Moon, Twilight colon Eclipse. I mean, it is just like one long continuous uh, spiral downwards into the psyche of a teenage girl. Do you think that she plotted all of the books out? before she finished the first book i would say no but then again i think there are things that are mentioned in the first book that are like foreshadowing of later books well i suppose maybe that uh, someone's probably asked her that question in an author interview maybe i should do some digging but it just seems it does seem like there's an overall arc in a way i mean especially between twilight and new moon because as we know i mean as we've already spoiled for you all there's going to be werewolves in this book and of course werewolves and vampires that's like a whole thing and and that they're very specifically intertwined in new moon so i would just i'll i'll do some i'll do some ratio on that um obviously we can't um end an episode without talking about what a terrible father charlie swan is yet again he's back at it with his daughter doing all the cooking all the cleaning he only fishes and goes to work and then the most egregious thing and i think this is what we'll leave you on here the most egregious uh thing that charlie does in these chapters is bella gets a 24-hour flu bug she's vomiting her brains out and charlie leaves her alone on the bathroom floor with a glass of water and just just leaves i think he goes to work i just feel like look i don't care if you're the only sheriff in a small town if your daughter is like so sick that she can't leave the bathroom maybe you as a parent should stay home okay obviously he doesn't but also we don't know any of the parents of any of bella's friends i just realized that well we know at least mr newton exists because he owns the store that bella works at right well i mean okay their parents have to exist but like we just they never get mentioned (laughs) Like, she never, Bella never calls, like, Jessica's house, for example, and, like, her mom picks up or whatever. Well, who needs parents? That's all I have to say. Thank you, and good night. Catch you next time on Bella Swan Song. Bella Swan Song. <laughs>